he's never seen me fight live. He, he his news in school on uh, Monday is going to be. I flew to Boston and watched my dad fight in the UFC. And you're going to split your bonus with him if you get it. No, definitely, but he says he's going to scream. Um, he's Sign of him? He's already, yeah. Paul's really nice like that, you know. He doesn't need the money in fair. He just jacked up him walking and all. The chap's loud. My dream is to be world champion, world lightweight champion in the UFC, have more money than I know what to do with, and have a great life for my, my kids, my grandkids, everyone in my, in my family, everyone that's, that's come up with me. That's my dream. Jenny Jitsu here, just getting on. Morning, morning, rise and shine. Who's the fuck? Who's the fuck? Who's the fuck? Episode 33 of the Severe MMA podcast is officially here. Thank you very much for John Redmond for giving us that beautiful introduction that he posted on his Facebook page this morning. Uh, Sean, you're now a big fan of Johnny Jitsu. Shani Jitsu here. Shani Jitsu. Just getting on. <laughs> he's a great man, isn't he? He is. He's a great man. He's a great character. I'd love to see him in Tough. Get him in there. A John Redmond season of Tough would probably be all-time record viewing record viewings. Just him in the house. Nobody else. No fights around. <laughs> no, just like Big Brother style. <laughs> um, John Redmond actually said to me uh, last December that he wanted to get a campaign going to get him to fight CM Punk. Yeah. He said, I'm already 5 and 8. He's not going to get an easier first fight than me in the UFC, Andrew. Get me in there. Oh, I, I'd watch, it. I'd I, watch it. I would definitely tune in for that. I have one question to ask, though. Oh, well, a couple of uh, interesting questions for you before we get on to boring mixed martial arts discussions. Go on. What's your opinion on a onesie? Uh, I, 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 it depends what kind of onesie it is. I don't mind them too much. They're they're funny, like they're they're a bit of fun. They're not um they're not like an a pretentious unmanly kind of thing. Like if you're like Christmas Day and old onesie opening your presents, that's I'm okay with that. As long as you don't go outside your front door with it, like. So you're so, all right with me recording the podcast in a onesie? That's okay, yeah. All right, I just wanted to be sure of that before I continued, before I told you, uh, straight up because I thought you might have reacted badly. It's okay. So I am wearing my onesie for the first time. Well, not the first time this year, but the first time since summer has ended. What kind of onesie is it? It is a blue one with uh, 73 on the front of it. I don't know what sort of writing is on it. It's not designer. It's nothing fancy. I believe it is from Dunstores or Pennies. And uh, I am thinking of getting some themed Christmas onesies, though, coming up for the festive season. Do what, what, what kind of teams like a Santa well, Claus red. one? Red is the snowman. only real theme I can imagine that would be associated with Christmas and onesies. I, I bet. I wonder if you could get a Santa Claus one where you know you you can close the like the head of it and it has like Santa Claus's face and like a beard. Imagine that. I've like never that. seen that. I have seen onesies where you can well where you can pull the hood over, and then yeah. it's a face on the hood. I bet actually that reminds me. I better put my hood up, just in case you know, because after. To be honest, after watching Straight Outta Compton the other night, if this interview and stuff doesn't work out, I'm pretty sure I could make it as a rapper. Me too. Will we start a rap group? It is. Did you see the film? No, or, I seen it. No, but you just know that you could be able to. Become I, a yeah, I'm just a great rapper. I have a, I have a high class standard of rapping. I, I have think. to say, I I really enjoyed the film. It made me feel gangster as shit. Sweet. I must. Is it good? Oh, I've heard. I've heard a few people say. A lot of people said it's good, and then other people said like. It's very like NWA actually like made it themselves, Doctor Dre or whoever, and they're like it's very kind of um, 
biased or something or very like on their side kind of is it like that is uh, it like yeah, they you, did everything you can, good you, you can see it more kind of making easy and your man Jerry out to be the bad guys throughout it which is fair enough the stories that we know and that have come out about it kind of point towards that anyway but uh, apparently like towards the end that they weren't actually all cool with EZ before he died but they made it out to be that he was uh, in the film so there's a couple of couple of different and also your man uh, what is it Shug Knight yeah apparently like they make him look to be a lot better than he actually is like he's only after going to jail recently for like 15 years yeah he, he rolled over a person in the car is that what he did yeah, he's a fuck. It's on uh, it's on YouTubers. He's a fucking sociopath, that guy. Oh yeah, like there was a, there was a video of him. I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel or someone, some American talk show years ago, and he's like, "Nah, you see, why would you shoot someone? Because if you shoot someone, their life is over, and your life is just you know, you're in jail for the rest of the life, rest of your life. What you do yeah. is you inject them with AIDS, and then he said something like like that easy e shit." And people were like conspiracy theorists were like, "That's him admitting that he killed Easy E and loads of mad shit like that." Exactly. Said, Do you know, I'm. I was just thinking actually last night. It's funny you bring it up. Like, I'm a proper OG of rap. I was at an Eminem concert in like 2002. I think it was when I was 13, maybe. 14. Where was he playing? And Punchestown. No way. It was huge. It was the um, the Eminem show tour. It was like a couple of weeks after he had released that. I think. And um, was there a lot of people uh, at it? There was. It was huge. I actually won two tickets to it in the star, and there was there was supposed to be sixty thousand people at it, right? And they opened up an extra twenty thousand. It was all standing, like there was no seats, but they opened up another twenty extra twenty thousand tickets, like the week of, and they like opened another part of the race course. It was actually I've never seen anything like it in my whole life. It was like just a mass of humanity. It took us about five hours to drive out of the car park afterwards. It was it was actually I can insane. expect something like that. Do you know I was in the star once when I was younger? Really? What yeah. I was mugged at knife point. Really? Yeah. I Jesus. Uh, one Sunday every Sunday my dad used to always go to this hotel to meet his friends for coffee yeah. and there was a a video shop as it was called back in the day up the road from it where you could rent games and tapes Yeah, I can't remember what game it was that I rented Metal Gear Solid no nah, it definitely wasn't it was definitely a Playstation 1 game anyway alright John Lomero and <laughs> no I don't think so actually it could have been early Playstation 2 Mm, not too sure. Metal Gear Solid was on PlayStation One, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But for the life of me, I can't. It could have even be a, been a VHS that I was renting. So I ca I came out of the shop, was heading back down, and this fella who was only about a couple of years older than me, he might have been about twelve at the time, uh, twelve or thirteen or fourteen, had a Stanley knife and he took all the change oh. off me that I had, and then he tried to get me to go back in, say that I changed my mind about the game <laughs> and that I wanted my money back instead and to give it to him instead <laughs> and then someone ended up like coming near the road and I ran back down to my dad in tears Jesus. and that was it I was in the paper for that young young man robbed at knife point I think my mom has it in a scrapbook if that happened now you'd fucking take him down and I don't know what fly and triangle him or something I don't know what I'd do now if someone tried to mug me with a knife I'd probably run that's the best thing, yeah. That is the best thing to do. But if it's, if I thought he wasn't yeah. good at wielding a knife, then I'd chance my arm. The best thing you can do, if someone has a knife, you run. If someone has a gun, you attack them because you can't run from a gun. 
No, but you can run from a knife. You can run from a knife, yeah. Although if, I, if that was me, I'd just probably just get stabbed. So, there's no way I'm running away from anyone. So the one thing you can't run from, despite us uh, wanting to for the last seven minutes, is discussing Demetrius Johnson. Uh. Is it the new MMA hipstery thing to do? To just put your head in the sand, say, I don't care what you think, Demetrius Johnson is the best fighter to have ever lived, and if you don't appreciate it, you're an idiot. It kind of is, yeah. Like, Demetrius Johnson's really, he's a really good fighter. Like, I, I've said it on here, I've said it on Twitter, I've said it everywhere for over a year that I think he's the best pound for pound fighter in the world. Saturday night, I think he showed that again. But, like, there's one thing being a really good fighter, and then there's another thing being exciting or, like, getting people to tune in to see you or exciting the crowd or, like, like he. he I have an interest. I'm just gonna make a little note here, because yeah. I have an interesting angle to take this conversation in a few minutes after you've made your point. Okay, right. Demetrius Johnson is a great fighter. We we all know that. But everything that you need to be a star, he is missing. Right? He's not big. He okay. He's finished fights in the past, but he he doesn't finish. Apart from maybe the Joseph Benavides fight, he doesn't finish it. And like unbelievable kind of gripping fashion like okay that Haraguchi fight he finishes last second but like that was after 25 minutes of just doing what he does he's not a particularly exciting guy to interview or to talk to or to listen to like I don't know he's he's just a normal guy he's yeah like I wrote last week instead when he's doing interviews you imagine him like just not wanting to be there at all like I watched you uh, just before we started. I watched your interview with Alan Philpot, like, and you could tell that like he wanted to be interviewed and like he wanted to say stuff. He wanted um, to get his point across to his opponent. Like he made a comment after you'd finished interviewing himself. Like Demetrius Johnson, they're just none that. Like he answers your question. Like he will tell you about his life. He'll tell you everything. But that's it. He just he's no interest. He won't in, give you any more. No, he won't give you any more. And that, that's that's his right. He can do that. No problem. But then you can't go around and complain why he's not a star, or why he's not big and stuff. He like his fighting style, as he says, uh, as he said afterwards. Look at my face; I didn't get a mark on it. He fights a safe way, but it, like the way he fights is, is, I won't say exciting, but it's for like someone who loves technique and for someone who loves the fight game, it's exciting. But um, but that's like I don't know. <laughs> it's like reading a math book for someone who loves math. Like you, you can read it once and it's great, and you can read it again. And yeah, that's that's very good. Yeah, <laughs> reading like, a math book. <laughs> I don't know. I love math so much in school. I just used to go home and read my math book but over like, and over again. Physics might be better. Like you can be fascinated by physics and how things work, but like you're not. If you just keep seeing them the same way over and over again, eventually, like that doesn't become as exciting as it was like. And that fight at the weekend. Um, I, like to be honest, I thought John Dodson didn't show up at all. I thought he was, I thought it was terrible, and you can't blame Demetrius Johnson for that. It looked to me like John Dodson was there. Like I know there's a lot of uh, extra factors as well. Like he just had a baby that week, and all these different things, and how good Demetrius Johnson is. But like he made n pretty much no, uh, like it's not an attempt, but he made no inroads into Demetrius Johnson's game at all. Like I had said it last week in the podcast that he hadn't improved since their last fight and Demetrius Johnson had and you could see that 
unbelievably in uh, on uh, on Saturday night. Like he said, he'd give a great interview with Ariel, and it kind of gave me hope for the fight before that he wasn't going to um, he wasn't going to hold back like he did the last fight. He was going to throw his big shots. But he did less. He threw less. He, he landed one big shot, I think it was at the end of the second or third, and that was it. That was just nothing. Demetrius Johnson, his pressure just took him out of it. It was it was such a one-sided fight. He like he was landing uh, he was landing all the shots he wanted in the pocket. He was taking like Demetrius Johnson did fairly well at stopping taken down early but as the fight went on he kind of got taken down more and more and yeah like there's not I don't think there's anything um, he could have done but I don't know it was just a terrible mismatch Demetrius Johnson as I said great inside the cage but everything is missing everything is missing to become a big star and I don't know maybe, well, he, maybe he doesn't want to become a star maybe he's happy doing what he's doing knowing that he's the best in that division just cleaning out guys. Oh, he is, yeah. What I want, what I wanted to ask though is, do you think that when people like, because you can argue that mixed martial arts, the UFC in particular, is no longer a sport, the best athletes, the best fighters, don't get rewarded the ways that they should be. There's other ways that people are rewarded financially if they talk, if they sell, if they're like from a region, like say Connor was at the start, where mixed martial arts it was the explosion that it needed for over here do you think it's fair that like we should just stop worrying about oh Demetrius Johnson doesn't get the praise that he deserves or people don't like Demetrius Johnson you should like Demetrius Johnson because it's not a pure sport anymore it is it's entertainment as so much of it is based on entertainment and money that fans people analysts pundits whatever need to realise it just doesn't matter like it, none of that shit matters anymore like doesn't matter how good of a fighter you are how pure your technique is look at me eating my ultimate words talking about how bad Paige Van Zant is and now something that she's done in the last couple of months um, seems to have turned it around a little bit for her like she has improved so look at it that way now she has from the stuff that, that she had before which is her her looks her personality her future selling potential for the UFC now she can start maybe backing it up on a slow build in terms of fighting Demetrius Johnson isn't going to be the guy to start turning around and calling out people I think the only way Demetrius Johnson makes money like he wasn't even the highest paid guy on that card and I'd say even after it was all said and done bonuses pay-per-view cuts I would still wager that some guys took home more money than Demetrius Johnson uh, did at the weekend he needs to fight TJ Dillashaw if he's not going to make himself a star he needs to beat someone that's willing to make him a star or I make him a star in a super fight scenario I, I agree with almost everything you said there like well why Sean this podcast <laughs> will be boring now <laughs> see you next week <laughs> but, uh, yeah As, the, the thing about it not being a sport you're dead right and like it's the same with boxing for years and years and years like boxing is a bit is a bit different because they have like the sanctioning bodies that rank guys and stuff and you get fights based on ranking sometimes and like there's an argument to be made there but in MMA it's it's purely entertainment in so far as you have a booker like <laughs> it's just like the WWE like Jim Ross did it for years he booked the fights against the two wrestlers who thought you know who'd, who'd sell the biggest or who'd have the best match or whatever it's the same in the UFC you have Sean Shelby and and, um, and uh, Joe Silva they call them matchmakers but they're the same thing like we see this fight coming up with um, Gustafsson and Carmier. 
Like Gustafsson really Took the moral high road today Did you? No, oh. Gustafsson did Oh, did he? Yeah Why, what did he do? He just pretty much Do you know the way uh, Cormier tried to get under his skin By oh, saying yeah. his biggest accomplishment is a failure And then Gustafsson just pretty much like Yeah, well, uh, he's going to have to fight me sooner or later So it's fine I don't mind him saying whatever he wants to say at the minute Yeah But like Yeah, as you said To me, it does matter that your te- your technique and how good you are and everything it does matter, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not gonna it's not gonna make a difference really. Like it's it's great for sitters, as Conor McGregor says, and I think it's John Kevin actually says it more. There's two parts of this game: there's prize fighting and there's martial arts. Like martial arts is something you're gonna have your whole life, and prize fighting is something that's there for just a small part of it. Like Demetrius Johnson, for his whole life, he can go back and look and say. Well, what a wonderful like technical fighter I was! Um, like he's going to be a martial artist his whole life, and he's going to be able to be proud of it and everything. But then there's the prize fighting side as well, and he he kind of ignores that fight that side of it. Like you see, Carmier, he, he doesn't ignore it. McGregor doesn't ignore it. John Jones, loads of guys like that. Um, and like there is a, there's no point saying like that oh it, you can have one without the other and it doesn't matter because it does matter he's in, like he's not earning as much money he's not bringing in as much fans as he'd like as the UFC like that's his choice and he seems okay with it as you said there he like he, he afterwards he said fuck the fans or whatever so that's his choice fair enough but like you can criticize him for it as well because he's not fulfilling his potential of becoming the huge star that he could be but, but as I said there's there's too many things um, pointing away from him being a big star and do but, you, th- do you yeah. think that there's almost because it's a Demetrius Johnson needs to do this if he wants to become a star let's say theoretically Demetrius Johnson can do. yeah exactly if he started to do it all now then people would just be like oh look at him he doesn't even believe it He's just yeah. doing it because he's trying to make more money. He's trying to become more exciting. Imagine if Demetrius Johnson showed up to his next press conference in a leather jacket and shades, started calling <laughs> people out. Like, no one's gonna pay attention. Like uh-huh. no, no one will bat an eyelid at it. They'll just be like, "All right, cool, <laughs> nice shades." Yeah, uh, you're pointing at TJ Dillashaw. Though. He has that. That fight has to be made. See, afterwards he said he wants two million to to fight him. That's probably not going to happen, so maybe it won't happen. But I think there's ways you could convince Demetrius Johnson to do it. Uh, that's the only fight to make. There's nobody else for him at at flyweight. There's no one for TJ at uh, 135. Dominic Cruz is out injured. We don't know when he's going to be back. You have to make that fight. Like I said it a year ago, they should have made that fight. I said immediately after it Saturday night, they, they have to make the fight. Like, it's the only one to make really we've a lot of qu- like there's a few questions in I saw a lot of people talking about it just totally down in the 125 pound division uh, like just people talking about it wanting to be dissolved and everything it's just ruined it it hasn't it really hasn't been that much that successful um, fan wise since it started and uh, yeah it, it needs something I think if it did imagine if TJ if there was a super fight at 130 or whatever even if he went up and he uh, DJ beat TJ and he came back down. That'd give it a that give it a huge fucking boost. Huge in terms of maybe the hardcore and stuff, maybe not the um, casual fans, but like you have a guy who's good enough to beat 135 pound fighters back down to 125 pounds, like and I think it'd be um at least there'd be excitement for some of his fights, or even if he went up to 135 and I think yeah, I think if he has to do it, he has to go up to 135. 
TJ Dillashaw, I don't think, could make 130. He did. He can it. Uh, he said he could make 125. Did he? Yeah. He's not that big, like, TJ's small enough. I, j- I just think that if it's going to happen, I think it should be... Just for the sake... Let's say we're talking about promoting Demetrius Johnson and looking at this from the, the Demetrius Johnson point of view. I think if he's going to do it, he should go up to 135 and try to get the belt there and be the I, UFC's I first yeah, dual-wielding champion. Yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Imagine seeing Demetrius Johnson with two belts. Like, yeah. the, the weight of both of the belts would probably come close to his body weight. <laughs> yeah. Naturally, like. But then again, maybe there's the thing about Demetrius Johnson that he doesn't think he can be competitive at 135. Mm. I know he's fought there in the past. Yeah, there are like, many I people that are going to beat him. only lost to the best guys in that division. But what about the guys that are killing themselves to make 135 and would be able to... I know speed is a thing, but there's definitely guys, I think, at 135 that can beat Demetrius Johnson. Dillashaw actually is the one... Fi- like, it's a perfect fight for him. I do think it's a fight yeah. that he could win, that his style just matches up perfectly for TJ Dillashaw. But other guys at 135, like, I don't shoot me for it, but I do think someone like Uriah Faber could probably beat Demetrius Johnson at 135. I think Demetrius would be too fast for him now. Uriah's gone very kind of slow and big. Um, and yeah, it, I, it'd be. Imagine seeing the. Yeah, I, I just want to see. I want to see him. I need that. That fight needs to happen. Like it's the perfect time for it now. And um, yeah, just just not hold them back. But um, yeah, there's a couple of more. We'll have a couple of questions about Demetrius Johnson as on the questions. But the rest of the card, um, as you spoke about earlier on page, Van Zant fought Alex Chambers. Um, it came out today actually. Alex Chambers, I think, injured her knee in the first round of the fight. So. She, I don't think it'll make much of a difference anyway. She wasn't doing great. Um, we spoke last week about Paige Van Zant and like her, her kind of sloppiness. She looked kind of novicey. She improved in past fights. She improves, I think, on Saturday night, and she did a lot better. Like we, we were, um, we were calling for Alex Chambers to maybe get a submission from her back, maybe an armbar or something. But um, Paige Van Zant did really well. Like. Her problem in the last couple of fights have kind of been her transitions and like leaving herself open, but this time she kind of she was really smart and she was like either all the way in on top of her when she was on the ground or either all the way out like standing over her and she didn't kind of she didn't kind of rest there or give her opportunities and but she still had her like her go forward um, pressure game whether it's on the ground or on the feet pushed her back against the cage a lot of clinching a lot of work and uh, she eventually got the. Uh, the submission late in the fight um she's still she's still not going to be anywhere near joining in jacek for a while i don't think she ever will to be honest she doesn't have she doesn't have like the physical attributes or she doesn't have the skill set that's going to be near her now she can get that she can attain the skill set but i don't think she can ever attain like the physique that joining in jacek and other people have a couple of more people have it that way the athleticism uh, i don't think that's ever going to come but Fair play to her, like we gave her we gave her plenty of stick here over the last while. Our fighting has definitely improved an awful lot and what is she at twenty one, twenty two years of age, it's gonna improve a lot more. So yeah, I think they're going right with her as well, protecting her, giving her matchups like Alex Chambers, and I think they need to protect her, give her two or three more before they give her another sip up. That's that's really the the aspect that I'm most interested in. Like when you're talking about someone like Joanna Champion who's been involved in various other martial arts throughout her whole life. Now you've got Paige Van Zant, who is at a young age. Uh, don't shoot me if I get this wrong, but I think was her first exposure to mixed martial arts because she was a ring girl. 
I, yeah, I think that might be true. Might be true. I'm not. I like that's probably completely way off. But look, I, think that, I, heard that, yeah. I, I don't Maybe know why. I don't know why it's it's stuck in my head. But you have to take her age into account. How that she will get better. Like it could be five years realistically before you talk about Paige Van Zant being a UFC champion, if she's ever going to be a UFC champion. And that's a scary prospect because. Because this division was in its infancy, because she was one of the first girls that came into the division, all eyes were on her from the start. Like there was talk about her from the start. She was too young to go into tough to be a contestant in tough. Like that sort of thing. So this is where you're kind of worried about what her career progression will actually be like. I agree with you. I think that the UFC will opt for a slow build on her and maybe potentially try and cash in on her fighting for a title one day. Like it's not beyond the realm of possibility, I think, that she fights the loser or maybe the winner of Ashing Daly's fight at UFC Dublin. Yeah, she she could definitely do that. It makes sense rankings-wise. But this, I think we, 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 there's a huge problem here because the division is so small and so so light that she's she's going to have to be rushed into the title shot. Like, eventually, if she, gets, if she keeps beating all these people, like... Eventually, a title shot's going to come. Like, I was thinking about it the other day. Do you know what might be a bad thing for her is to lose if she lost the fight? It might be the worst thing that's ever happened to her. Just put all title talk aside for a while. Like, if she gets another couple of wins, that title talk is surely going to come. Like, uh, especially with like uh, she's getting famous and her good looks and everything, she's going to be pushed into it. it, it I, I think a loss wouldn't be the worst thing that could happen to her. She's young, as we said. She's she's going to come back from it, but. Yeah, they need to slow build her. Um, I think she fought Tisha Torres before and lost. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be a bad fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that again. It would be a good test for her, um, maybe in a couple of fights' time. But um, how, uh, how happy do you think Mike Goldberg was that he got to say it was yeah. Ronda Rousey-esque <laughs> with her armbar finish? Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. is literally... Wait, I'll even do it for you. I'm going to move my microphone and I'm going to do it for you. This is me smacking my head off the table <laughs> after him fucking saying that. He was dead right. Fair play, Mike Wahlberg. Ugh. Like, Sick of it. Um, yeah. Michael Alex Jordan Chambers. in his grappling abilities. <coughs> Alex Chambers had basically... <clears throat> she'd fought her fought, fought her fought, fought her fight at that time. Like, in the second round... I thought she was gone. She, like she had fallen against the cage on one stage, and she looked out of it. And she, fair play to her, she got back up, but she got hurt at the start of the third round again, and that was it. She was, she basically, I'm not saying gave it up, but I don't think she had. I don't think she was intelligently defending herself from submissions, if we if you want to put it that way. But fair play, like take nothing away from Paige Van Zandt. She saw it and she jumped on it, and good on her. Excellent, fair play to her. I have to say one final thing on Paige Van Zandt. There is a good narrative to this story. You're supposed to ask me what the narrative is, Sean. Sorry, I was drinking there. I know, I, I actually thought you were, so I was going to continue myself because I had just finished the mug of tea. That's why I had to kind of like reply very quickly after we were done or took what? me a second. What's the narrative, Andrew? What about when she breaks up with Cody Garbrandt and has to leave Team Alpha Male? Uh, she already did break up with him. They're broken up. Yeah, she said it to Ariel in the post fight uh, interview. Right, well here I better text her. Hash- 
<laughs> Hashtag breaking news. <laughs> Live in the podcast. <laughs> five days later. So wait a minute. Oh, rewind. Paige Van Zandt discussion continues for another minute. Why did she say they broke up? I don't know. They said they were concentrating their uh, careers and. So she dumped him. Basically, like he's not going to dump her, is he? Maybe you wouldn't know. That's that's an unfair thing to say, I suppose. Yeah, that is a bit fucking he's hell. Not, he's Co- not really. Cody got like that, and she's going to stay at the same gym now. What a home wrecker! <laughs> Who's the home wrecker? Her she is. Her? Yeah, Cody's she, been there first. Was he? I think so. Yeah, it, that's yeah. that's the way it should be like that's uh, that's bad crack now completely you don't shit on that's true yeah that there is you true. go McGahan knows some facts hashtag McGahan, yeah we'll get that on the t-shirts anyway facts. sorry now go on go on while no, we're talking no, about you t-shirts were gonna talk. Oh, go on we're all over the place here what were you going to say first shout out to Jim Daw for oh, making yeah. the, the t-shirt things unbelievable we may have an, a limited edition run of Severe May podcast t-shirts Maybe. Let us know. Would you would you buy one? Would you be interested in having one? All proceeds would go towards the podcast. <laughs> to us. All proceeds <laughs> okay. us directly. Us and the website in general. So maybe it's a maybe it's an idea. Maybe it's something that you'd like to talk about. What other severe what other merchandise would you buy with Sean and my faces on? That's maybe another question. Maybe you'd like to make us fifty free t shirts and send them to us. Maybe so you we own can a t shirt manufacturing company. Yeah. And you're listening to the podcast while manufacturing t-shirts. Thought, wait a minute, I'll make 50 free ones for the lads. Or maybe you work at Sony or Microsoft and want to send us out free consoles. That used to happen in radio stations all the time. Maybe you work for a computer company. Apple, maybe. Or what's that one that makes... um Microsoft, I no, believe. No, no, what's that? IBM. Oh, Alien, Alienware. Maybe oh. you work for Alienware. One of those free laptops. Or uh, Dell. Dell, I have, yeah, Dell. Well, Dell are fucking... Speaking of IBM and Dell, Sean, there's a new messaging client that's going to change the face of the world. Really? What's that now? ICQ. Really? I feel a joke coming here. No, no, ICQ is like from the 80s. All right. I was just, because I said (laughs) IBM and Dell, I was like, I was just trying to play off it. Anyway, it's okay. Dell is great. I'm on Dell right now. Are you on a Dell? I am on an Acer. I had to I had to kind of move myself to look at the front of my computer to make sure what what uh, computer I use. But I am an Apple fanboy. I have a MacBook Pro upstairs. Fuck's sake. Wait, right, speaking of all things from the eighties, Arlovsky and Mirfat. Oh <laughs> This was fucking terrible. It was just awful. War- terrible fight. Arlovsky won. It was one of those fights that I watched it and I didn't really score it. I kinda got bored, I kinda tuned out. Whoever won one didn't really make a difference. Um, I think for the division, it's probably better that Arlovsky won. He's on what a four or five winning streak now. Um, he's he's uh, he looks like he's set for a title shot whenever it happens. Did you hear at the weekend they said um, what is going on with Fabrizio Verdum? Yeah, this is the thing that happens with all these champions. Verdum's well, always been at it. After Verdum beat Fedor. He travelled the world doing seminars, making ridiculous coin. He yeah. was all over the world. He was doing seminars as the man who had just beaten Fedor Emelianenko, and he cashed in on it. I would not be surprised if he was doing something similar now. Yeah, I think they should make Arlovsky against Cain Velasquez now. Just forget about the title shot. Have that for number one title. Have it on the undercard of Robbie Lawler and... Um, 
uh, Carlos Condit on June sec- or January 2nd. That's what I think they should do. Get Kane back in there. Kane needs another fight anyway. Uh, there's no point leaving him out till March. He can fight again in March. Fight in January. Grand. What do you think? That like uh, I, I don't know. I think a part of me really wants to see Andrew Arlovsky get a title shot. Yeah. Another part of me doesn't want me to see him have to fight Kane Velasquez. That's true. And I, I don't think that ends well for Andrew Arlovsky. No. You like I think you have to give Kane someone out. They said you can't you can't keep him out that long. Mir maybe they're both coming off of losses. Uh, like there's a Narlovsky or not Narlovsky, but a Bigfoot Mark Hunt fight coming up. If um, like whoever wins that win or lose, like you could give him Mark Hunt there. Uh, like there's a few guys. Obviously the fight in Dublin is coming up between Rotwell and Majocic. Like if Stipe wins that, I could see him against Arlovsky maybe for a title for a number one contender slot. Like this this Verdum thing is kind of come out of nowhere and. This division just can't keep going. Like I was thinking about last night. Like there's been loads of interim champions. Title has been held up. Like Velasquez, like he's only basically fought Verdum, JDS, and Bigfoot in the last like how many years? Like three years or something. But, like this heavyweight division just can't keep going, uh, or can't get going. And there's no young talent coming up. Like if you look at look at the the division, like Velasquez, Verdum, Dos Santos. Steep is young enough, but still, Arlovsky, Brown, Rotwell, Hunt, Barnett, Overy, Mir, Ryan Nelson, um, Bigfoot, Mitrion, Struve is what, under 30, maybe. It's the retirement division. Like, it is, they're all like, oh, uh, <laughs> give them a couple of fights and they're going to retire, like, uh, every one of them. Like, it, it's actually mad, but, um, yeah, there seems to be no young talent. It's just the division is, the division is at a standstill at the moment and something big needs to happen, but I don't think it is going to happen. Well, people are saying that, like, anyone in that division, like, a lot of the people you just named are two legitimate wins away from contention. Yeah. It just seems that the curse of the heavyweight division has always been that the title gets held up for whatever reason. Do you know that, like, whether it's injuries, postponements, uh, tough Latin, whatever your face, like, loads of, loads of stuff like that has just constantly hampered the heavyweight division for so long. And why are they even talking about splitting divisions? Like, was it Joe oh. Rogan that came up and said at uh, one yeah. twenty or two thirty-five? Yeah, um, yeah, he was he was talking about that. There, like, there just isn't scope to get another um, another division in there. There's there's no way. I suppose we can we can talk about it a bit. Um, there's this UFC fighter info on Twitter, and they give out like the numbers for each division, right? So let me just read them out to you. Uh, I'll just read out the men's ones. Right, lightweight. Uh, our fl- we'll start flyweight. Flyweight, 36 fighters, right? Bantamweight, 56. Uh, featherweight, 66. Lightweight, 114. Welterweight, 111. Middleweight, 64. Light heavyweight, 33. Can I guess how many heavyweights? Go on. Guess. 31. 35. Oh! So between heavyweight and light heavyweight, you have 68 fighters, right? Featherweight alone, you have 66. Welterweight, 111. Lightweight, 114. Like, there is no way in hell you can break up the the heavyweight or light heavyweight divisions or start a division in between them and have talent to fill those divisions. Imagine, like, even if you lost 10 heavyweights 
or even if you lost ten light heavyweights, you'd have le- you'd have under you'd have around twenty fighters in each division. Like that can't go on. Like you can barely make a fucking top fifteen rankings. It, it's just not possible. Like Joe Rogan, fair enough. In lot in in theory, it's great. Definitely, there should be a division in there. It'd definitely help him. But there just isn't the fighters there. Like we we like, we called out all the heavyweight fighters there a minute ago. They're all old guys. There's no new talent coming through and. Even if any new talent does come through, it's going to be in dribs and drabs. There is not enough for division, not a hope in hell. But um, hot take. Go on. Joe Rogan knows how many guys are on steroids in the UFC. Guys will no longer be able to make two hundred five and will be too small for two sixty five. Therefore, a division in between the gap of two hundred five and two sixty five is perfect sense. But there's enough fighters. Maybe there's going to be more fires. I don't know. <laughs> Where are they going to come from? Uh, like, Russia or something. Like yeah, that, that just goes to show like that the UFC, not that they've kind of got themselves into this mess, but a lot of it, it, it is like, I know I spoke the story before about Sean Shelby not being able to sign Conor McGregor when he actually wanted to because of uh, Dana White offering every fighter a tough contract for three years in a row sort of thing. And that's what held up Conor's signing to the UFC at least if you believe all of them stories yeah so maybe they're gonna start doing that like get rid of the lower weight divisions like start cutting people for more often and start bringing in like there's so many people on Twitter that are talking about these mad Eastern European prospect heavyweights and light heavyweights I know MMA's son is always talking about them and other divisions are starting to snap them up maybe the UFC also have a thing about like their fighters being UFC caliber or UFC level just as soon as World Series goes under, just buy their heavyweight and light heavyweight division. Just okay. take. Do they have any? Uh, I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Like literally, you need to get people in as quick as possible. If do you know what's funny? Go on. The UFC did this. Like they did it with um. Strike Force. With Strike Force, and they still have nothing. Like it's. Just... Well, they did it with the middleweight division, and it's become like it was the best thing they've ever done. Yeah, but that's the middleweight division. It's it's different, higher, heavier up, like. There just isn't the fighters in the world to do. Like, you still have Overeem in there. Like, Overeem's been fucking knocked out <sighs> how many times? Like, and he's still there up near the top. Like, Mark Hunt, okay, he was a great fighter up until a year ago, a year or two ago, maybe, but, like, he's been knocked out a couple of times now. Ryan Nelson is still in there. Like, the <laughs> in comes Carl Moore. Yeah. Jimmy beating Jimmy Manama. Yeah. And I yeah. stand by it, especially after that performance at the weekend. Yeah. Big Jesus, Jim. Manuel. Manuel looked awful, he did, in fairness. Um, but yeah, if you are to put in a new division, I've spoke about it before, about light welterweight, but what do you think? Do you think you, do you think they should do it, or do you think they uh, can do it? Or? I, I agree with you. It's Those divisions are threadbare as, as it is, and the last thing we need is another champion. Conor McGregor, as the interim champion, is a more legitimate champion than a 235-pound champion with only six people in this division, or guys that are fluctuating between weight classes. Like It'd be interesting because you could have more guys be willing to go up and fight at maybe that weight division, or just in between fights, take fights there. Ultimately, the division that I want to see is 160 pounds. Yeah. Is that is that too much? 165, no. 160? I don't know. I just think that we have to start having this discussion if the IV fluid banning thing comes in in October as it's scheduled to you're going to see guys moving weight divisions you're going to see guys maybe having to go up to 170 that would normally fight at 155 but a gap in between them would suit them completely Agreed. Like that's, that's just the way I think it has to go if the UFC are talking about being this big massive organisation 
then cut the shit. Just there's so many subpar lightweights on the UFC roster that they can get rid of and maybe get better guys in or allow guys to be more competitive in other weight classes. Like cut like cut all of these people to allow them to create a new weight division. And then I don't know, do it tough to let them all try to get their contracts back. Uh, no, I have the idea. Here you go. Here we go. Patent it first. Pa- don't the, say I, anything. Patent it first. I'm gonna get you excited here, right? This is Sean Sheehan trademark. Lightweight light welterweight tournament. Eight men for the inaugural championship, right? One here night. The, here the, no not one night. <laughs> here are the matchups. Right? Vincent Henderson versus Gunny Nelson. Right? Jorge Masvidal versus Cowboy Cerrone. Eric Silva versus Paul Felder. Thiago Alves versus Nate Diaz. I'm Boom. sold. When Boom. when is it happening? Whenever they want, just just pay me the money for that idea. They UFC. have your details already. You have they my have, details. They have you on direct debit. They have you on retainer. They know they know the Sheehan way. Sheehan equals numbers. I have to admit, I would be down for that. Yeah, they should do it. Like as I said, let me just look at it again. 114 lightweight fighters, 111 welterweight fighters. There is plenty. If you took 15 off of the, each of them. Or even twenty, you get a forty-man division. Like there's all those guys there that I mentioned. Those eight guys: Bits Henderson, Masvidal, Gunny Nelson, Cowboy, Eric Silva, Thiago Alves, Diaz, Felder. They could all make 160 pounds, either going up or going down. I, I like. I think it makes perfect sense. Another champion, and just another one to put on, and it'd be a legitimate champion too because it'd be a great division. And finally, yeah. on the topic, that would be a perfect way for Conor McGregor. Uh, I suppose yeah, he can get his third title there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, after he's sorry, I'm just moving my chair. After he's cleared out the uh, the lightweight division, that the is. But you know, Connor has said before in an interview, and I know people may scoff or whatever at it. Connor believes he could fight all the way up to 170. And I yeah. suppose if you train with, like, if Connor is around a similar enough size to Gunner, just smaller. Do you know there? I wouldn't completely rule out the possibility of Conor uh, McGregor yeah. one day fighting at 170 pounds I, d- I don't think that's I don't think that's really realistic but if it was 162 if the Brian Lai welterweight division definitely I think he could definitely that would probably be his well 155 is probably his his ideal division but he could definitely fight at that, in that division I reckon but yeah speaking of McGregor anyway he's, you spoke to him last week who? Came spoke home. to who? Uh, I don't he's recall it's Conor McGregor chap who's at Dublin Airport I believe I was collecting a maid from Dublin Airport and some fella <laughs> came up to me asking for an interview so I don't know who you're that, oh, that guy is it no the I have guy to with, say the guy with the belt <laughs> yeah the guy carrying the belt <laughs> how he got that through security that must have been a stroke pulled by the UFC they must have got him his bags before he came through I like I can't imagine him being allowed to carry that belt onto the plane with him they probably booked a seat for it today <laughs> Are you, are you serious? Yeah, I was, I mean, could have, he could have brought in his hand luggage. Yeah, but it's it's metal-like. Yeah, you're, are you not allowed to bring metal? Oh, yeah, I suppose you're not. I don't know. Like, I, 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 that was the one thing I kicked myself for afterwards. I, like, did not know why I didn't ask him that in the interview. So what me, happened was, let me set what? the scene. Um, I was periscoping it. Yeah, as, I was watching. As you were watching. Connor ended up noticing me. Uh you see my hand come from behind my phone to high five him (laughs) and then I knocked the periscope stream off by mistake 
So then he's walking, he's like, do you want to do an interview? And I was like, eh, I didn't think there was going to be any interviews, I'm only here filming. I'm in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt that I have on back to front. Which, if you watch the interview back again, you'll notice that the t-shirt is on back to front. Uh, <laughs> Sam, who's the video guy, went missing. So I didn't know where Sam was. He was Get her on the front, Sam. Get he, her on the front. He w- No, that was Barry. Like this, oh, Barry, sorry. Barry is a friend of mine who trains with me. He's only 16 years old. I, w- I brought him up to the airport so he could meet McGregor because I knew that there wouldn't be a lot of fans there because it wasn't... Like, we only got to go ahead a couple of hours beforehand to say we can release that he was coming home and the time that he was coming home at. So he got to meet Connor. That was fine. I just threw my camera at Barry, pressed record, and I said, record this. And he did an absolutely unbelievable job. So I have to give him his props for that. I, he is a listener to the podcast. He enjoys listening to Sean Sheehan's in, inane ramblings as well. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, fair play to him. We're going to get him a job with Severe MMA. There you Literally. go. We have a new video. Well, we may have a new videographer in a year or two. But uh, then walking and talking with Connor, unbelievable, unbelievably humbling experience. Um, he's. I said, then are we going to do an interview? And he's like, of course I'm going to do an interview with you. And I was like, all right. I suppose we have to go now. Uh, absolutely nothing prepared, as you could probably tell. I was laughing during most of it because I couldn't actually believe that. It was weird. It's weird seeing him as a champion, but actually seeing him in person with a belt and then being like, "Oh wait, this is Connor, who's the interim featherweight champion." That is mad. Like, do you know what I mean? That is crazy, and it makes me deep down, and it kind of makes me realize like how many people have I interviewed in Ireland, like amateurs that are going to get to that level maybe one day, that are going to become UFC champions or may become like high-profile UFC fighters. And I'll have documented their career from amateur straight away up to pro. Unfortunately, I didn't get Connor's career from amateur. I don't even know if he had an amateur fight. And did it was you? did he? Yeah, he'd won. There you go. Kieran Daverin, maybe. Kieran Daverin, his teammate. No, maybe not. Hold on, I'll I'll find it for you in two seconds. You look, I made this, you look um, it up, and I'll spit and I'll spit venom while you're, while you're doing it. So then, being able to uh, just chat with him, uh, listening to him talk about severe MMA in particular was very very cool. But how he appreciates that we've been there from the start. We followed him from there. That he'll always have time for severe and stuff like that. I have to say that was one of the coolest things to hear. I cannot thank him enough for everything that we've got over the years. And long may it continue. The Irish will once again invade Las Vegas. It seems a lot of buzz on Twitter and Facebook. I know we put up an article about the pre-sale for the tickets going on sale. I think it's in a couple of hours time. If I'm not mistaken, five o'clock. So they will be on sale by the time this podcast is out. But it's about it's twenty past four here in Ireland at the minute. So, so you're saying basically it was red panty night in the McGann household last week. I'm not saying it was red panty night, but afterwards I was probably genuinely the most amped or full of adrenaline I've ever been after doing an an, an interview. And it wasn't oh my god I got to talk to Conor McGregor. It was. That all happened in the space of about five minutes and I pulled an interview like that out of my arse out of nowhere. So I was kind of like, ah, that actually just happened. It's like I just scored a volley in a game of five-a-side because you never really score volleys. Nice. You know, that sort of thing. It was yeah. it was one of those things. It was definitely definitely the one of the top moments so far in this severe MMA journey. Have, uh, you, have you got the amateur fight? Kieran Campbell. Ah, there we go. He knocked him out, yeah. He was wearing like a pair of board shorts. I can remember seeing him fight in a ring wearing uh, like surfing flowery that's shorts. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That was amateur. There you go. Yeah. Tell you. Any getting, other? Get, 
Go on. Getting in the getting in on the uh, hashtag Irish MMA amateur scene there, Sean Sheehan. Sean, Sean Sheehan, the historian of Irish amateur <laughs> MMA. Oh god. But yeah, the the go big presser was the night before uh you interview Connor. He had the the same clothes on now you can get a chance to to change it. What what did you think of that? What did you think of the uh the antics, the red panties, the fights uh, of cowboy and all that? I think it's I without wanting to sound like a McGregor fanboy, a McGregor nut hugger, whatever you want to say, people that get annoyed from Connor at those events and the way that he talks must have never watched one of his interviews with me. Because something that I honestly think I get the most real experience from talking to Connor about it. You have to understand there's an element of fight promotion to all of this. Do you know what I mean? Conor McGregor pretty much signed off on three high-profile fights last night whenever or at that conference whenever he wants it. Do you know what I mean? Cerrone, Dos Anjos and Joseph Duffy all at the weight division above and all nothing got to do with his current division and his next fight. Like, the, you have to appreciate what he's doing for himself here. He's trying to make as much money as possible. Take away the antics, take away the talking. Conor McGregor is still the same person that he's always been. And I just find it funny that people get so worked up over the way that he goes on, the way that he talks. Like, surely these fighters should know that he's just trying to get in their heads. <laughs> you know what I mean? I honestly think Joseph Duffy's the one man that he won't phase. Dennis Seaver was another one. He couldn't get in Dennis Seaver's head for love nor money. But every other fighter has crumbled before they even got in there with Connor. Yeah, about the go big thing. He, was, he almost went over the top a little bit. Get, uh, not with anything he said or anything. Everything he said was kind of funny and stuff. But with like, he almost got annoying. He almost got too much. Like, But Dana White had the word in his ear. People were saying it's about he fly was down or something. I don't know. But he kind of cooled down a bit after that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was good. Like Joseph Duffy, it's a pity he, did, he didn't just say, uh, Joseph Duffy can come out and said, look, I'm looking around here, there's a lot of good fighters around, but I'm the only one who's ever beaten Conor McGregor. I'm the only one that's ever shut his mouth and all that. Yeah. It's a pity he didn't say that. Like, but that's not Joseph like Duffy that. like that. You know, yeah. He's tweeted out things like that before. He's tweeted out uh, McGregor when, when Aldo pulled out. He tweeted out, he called out McGregor, I want to beat you again and stuff. He has done it. So to say it's not him is, uh, that's kind of changed. Like he has done it before. So yeah, it was kind of funny seeing him there. Like, and like he's just, he kind of kept the moral high ground and stuff. It was good. Like, but it's, it's a pity he could have built that fight a lot. Like if McGregor loses against Aldo, that could have been the fight. Like that could be the fight in Ireland or somewhere. Uh, uh, Connor's first fight in one one fifty five. If um, if he loses a one forty five, but yeah, it was funny. Like <laughs> he, as you said, like that cowboy fight. Everyone's see that cowboy and McGregor fight now. Like cowboys, I don't think cowboys going to beat Dos Anjos. If McGregor loses, that could be another fight you make there straight away. If McGregor wants to go up and he, it's a title shot, Dos Anjos is there as well. Frankie Edgar is another fight. That's four fights, actually. He he, he built up. <laughs> like, Frankie kind of thanked him, saying, um, basically saying, saying yeah, yeah, he's the fighter one. I am annoyed if yeah. he wants to move to 155 because it's going to be my money fight. Yeah. Connor starts applauding him, and he's like, good on you, Frankie. Make that money. Yeah. He's just like, there. Yeah, but it, it's kind of weird as well like you saw Cowboy Cerrone saying oh he didn't say a word back backstage and he's saying it all here now 
Uh, yeah, because it's in front of a fucking camera. It's like, what do you expect? Like, Chael Sonnen, I'm sure it was nice to everyone backstage as well. When it comes out in front of the cameras, that's when you're supposed to say it. Like, like people, like, it's a show. Do people understand, like, as we were talking about earlier, like, it's entertainment. You're selling yourself, like, and it's not just because it's Conor McGregor. Like, I, uh, when Chael Sonnen did that, when, uh, like, other people have done it, it's the same thing. It's not just because Conor McGregor is Irish or whatever. Like, that's what you do. <laughs> like, and he, like, he did it pretty well. I thought Daniel Cormier did it well as well when he did the little bit he got to speak. Um, even Jose Aldo, like, when he when he got to speak, he said, like, he said a couple of good things to get that fight revved up again. Mendes as well. Like, Cowboy did, apart from saying that, like, he he had a few words to say about McGregor and, and a couple of things like that. So, it, uh... The press conference kind of all went well. There was who was that said, was... nut job that spoke about Daniel Cormier? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's his friend or something. Or that's what I'm wondering if he is or not, because that was just creepy. If he if he has never met Cormier before and he isn't his friend, then that's like restraining order sort of yeah. territory. Did you see that nut job asking Matt Brown about his suit? Oh yeah, like Fuck trying sake. trying to rip the piss out of Matt Brown, just trying to look good and make himself yeah. professional and shit. And, with his $99 suit and Jeremy Botter who obviously fell asleep on his glasses the night before he went to the yeah. press conference had to go and say that about poor, fair, poor Matt Brown fair play to Anthony Johnson <laughs> that's all what's it Anthony oh yeah, yeah. Anthony, Anthony Johnson, Johnson roared him afterwards. punking out Jeremy Botter on media row <laughs> what a man the one last thing I meant to say it to you I found out why the Diaz brothers slap people why why they do the Stockton slap yeah. Why they bitch slap someone? Because if you bitch slap someone, you've got two things. You either walk away and prove you're a bitch, or you have to stand there and fight the person right straight up. So that's yeah. why the Diaz's do it. <laughs> Fair play to them. They're dead right. And Nate Diaz then took shots at Cerrone and Desanos. I was yeah, like, he did. Yeah, fair well, play. That yeah. man's talking himself back into high profile stuff as well. Yeah, he tried to talk himself into McGregor fight as well. He's fucking. He's dead right. Like it could happen. But speaking of fights. Speaking of fights we all wanted to see, especially you, just about as the podcast finished last week, maybe a couple of hours afterwards, Damian Moya, Connor oh, yeah. Nelson, it's happening. I have Tell to, us. well, here's, here's my instant take on it from when I heard about it last week. Gunner's going to knock him out. Damian Maya does not have the killer instinct, the heart, he is too heartwarming, too such a beautiful man, well-natured man, to want to be able to stand and like, fair enough, if it gets to the ground, it could be beautiful to watch. Just speaking about if it gets to the ground, can you explain to us now, you're a jiu-jitsu man, you can go into your jiu-jitsu here now, tell us the difference between Damian Maya's jiu-jitsu and... and Gunnar Nelson's Jiu Jitsu not like on a technical thing but on a like a competitioning what have they won like how, are they on oh, different levels or are they the same level or what come on um, off the top of my head I don't know what Damien Maya has won in Jiu Jitsu but yeah. I'm about to through the magic of the internet and I can yeah. and I can let you know how uh, I don't want to say how prolific it is but how like how it stacks up there so obviously he's an ADCC champion I knew that uh, 2007 he got first place he won the Pan Ams in 2006 the problem with all of these guys Damien Maia in particular when he became an MMA fighter that stopped his Brazilian Jiu Jitsu career do you know while he yeah. was still competing 
in jiu-jitsu but you could say towards his UFC tenure once his UFC run started he barely competed in any sort of jiu-jitsu tournaments after that if he even has since then apart from the ADCCs so yeah having won he's won the uh, worlds at brown belt purple belt second at blue belt that was back in the 90s but Gunner fought Jorge Santiago who was a black belt before Gunner even knew what Jiu Jitsu was uh, and had been for a couple of years so there's that as well So and Gunner beat him on the ground fairly easily in terms of Gunner's achievements off the top of my head I know that he beat Clark Gracie at brown belt in the Pan Ams in New York I think he got silver that year um, yeah here it is there 2009 world championships silver medalist in the gi brown belt gi gold medalist at the Pan Ams black belt no gi gold medalist at the Pan Ams which is a little bit weird because he competed at brown the same year so I don't know all these results are a little bit all over the place beat Jeff Manson didn't he he beat Jeff Manson in the ADCC's in the absolute division he had a serious run in the ADCC that year and that was the kind of thing that made you think Gunnar Nelson's grappling is legit I don't think Gunnar Nelson's ground game is as good enough to overpower Damian Maya to the point of making Damian Maya look like a novice on the ground yeah and I don't think that Damian Maya's jiu-jitsu is good enough to stop Gunnar Nelson do you know that sort of thing yeah. it's, it, I think generally it could be a boring enough fight the only way that two those two have a good fight is if they had a grappling match under mad rules that they were all going for funky shit I, don't get me wrong I'd love to see it I'd love to see it turn out to be the grappling porn that I hope that it will be but otherwise I can't see Maya having good enough wrestling or grappling to be able to get Gunner down to the ground do you know what I mean maybe his wrestling has improved a bit I still don't see him getting Gunner down at all and even then I can see Gunner lighting him up on the feet he's got he seems to have found his third fourth and fifth gears that he didn't have in the story fight he barely got out of first gear in that fight this could be a bad night for Damian Maya. this could be Gunner Nelson's massive coming out party I think it's the fight that John Kavanagh has wanted from him for so long because he knows what a win over a guy like Damian Maya can do for his career because no other fighter will ever has ever fought Damian Maya that hasn't maybe feared his ground game as much. Do you know like Yeah, I know what you mean. You yeah. know what I'm trying to say? It's always yeah. had to be in their head. Where with Gunnar, like surely he's relatively comfortable going to the ground with uh going to the ground with him. If you look at the people that Maya has fought as well, McDonald didn't finish him. Shields didn't finish him. Weidman didn't finish him. Munoz didn't finish him. Silva didn't finish him. Marquardt was the last guy to finish him, and that was the freakiest knockout you'll ever see. Marquardt is the only guy to ever finish him. What's gonna What's it gonna do for Gunnar Nelson's stock if he comes out and can finish Damian Maya on the feet? Even better, wreck the script completely, tune him up on the ground a little bit, and then sub uh, and then sub him after tuning him up on the feet. Yeah, I I I could see Gunnar Nelson knocking him out. I think I think it's probably going to be a kickboxing fight, as you say. Like thinking about it, when I saw your te- your uh, tweet the other day, I was kind of thinking about it. You're probably right. It's probably going to end up a kickboxing match, but I don't think uh, I don't think there's anyone going to be tuning anyone up on the ground. Like I think it's going to be. I hope it hits the ground. I really do, but I don't think it will. When but if I it say does, I, it's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, when I said tune up, I actually got my words mixed up. Okay. I meant tune him up on the feet drop him and then swarm and maybe finish him with a sub oh, yeah. I, I didn't mean that. like I don't mean like Gunnar Nelson putting on a jiu-jitsu clinic against yeah. Damian Maia or anything like that no 
Can't see that. But still, don't get me wrong, erectile levels were at an all-time high when it was announced. <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to it. It is going to be a great fight. UFC 194 is probably, don't say it too loud, for fear of Jonathan Snowden's head exploding, going to be bigger than UFC 100. Undoubtedly. It's it's better. 100%. Um, Amanda Nunez versus Misha Tate has been added now as well since we last spoke. Like, let me just read the card here that's on Wikipedia. McGregor versus Aldo, Weidman versus Rockhold, Jacare versus Yoel Romero, Tisha Torres versus Michelle Watterson, Damian Maya versus Gunnar Nelson, Uriah Faber versus Frankie Sands, Max Holloway versus Jeremy Stevens, John McDessie versus Yancy Medeiros, and Tate against Nunez. There's a couple more fights as well. That is, that is sick. Like that is fucking sick. It's perverted. It is like those four fights that Aldo, Weidman. Jacare and Maya Nelson fight. Those four fights are just four like headliners by themselves. Fights. They are dream fights, all four of them, and they're all happening on one night. Just, just no injuries, please, no injuries. Even, even just one injury. We'll take one. We'll, we'll lose one of those fights. Give us three of them, just please. Give us three. I'll take three. I how would as well. Think, okay, how many even do you think happen? Those four dream fights. All four. There, Talk I said it. I'm not, I'm not Niall McGrath. I'm not Stephen Larry. I'm not Peter Carroll. I don't jinx fights. All Just of them these. are going to happen. I agree with you. I'll there take three of them. Because all, three. these guys can't afford not to be fighting on this card. Like, even like what Connor says about all these guys, he's going to let them fight amongst themselves to decide who gets to fight him. Being on a Conor McGregor card in the UFC, you're going to start to see it's going to have a bigger effect on your, on your bank account. Just being on the same card as them, like, that's... We're in the McGregor era now, Sean, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Okay, let's, well, let's answer not a few... not unfortunately. Not unfortunately, because <laughs> he's an Irish fighter. It's great to see. But you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Let's answer a few questions. Let's. Um, at MMA True Talk, is Joe Rogan biased towards certain fighters? Uh, now, I now that you mention it. Yeah. The aforementioned Barry Quayle that recorded our video, on the way home, he says he doesn't think... Uh, Joe Rogan likes Conor McGregor really and going from like his he listens to his podcast regularly and predicting before the fight talking about Mendez and Aldo and it's like I think he'd like Conor better if Conor was this quiet Jeet Kune Do sort of guy that had all of these skills I, I personally don't watch or listen to enough of Joe Rogan stuff outside for me to know if he is or not but some people seem to think that Rogan in the last couple of months has taken a bit of a turn away from McGregor when he previously would have been a very big fan I think a lot of that has come from him saying um, that he's big he's big he's belt is fake um, which like okay that's not the worst argument you can make in fairness like that belt really should never have existed Um, like he's interim champion fair enough you can't take it away from him. all belts like like that are are just made up anyway like the real belts and everything so the UFC just made another belt whatever but like fair enough Jose Aldo has the real belt like you can make that a lot of people took that very badly when he said that and I think that's a lot of it's coming from but I think this question is is down is because um, Paul Felder and, and Ross Pearson fought at the weekend as well we haven't mentioned it yet but Ross Pearson won that fight and he won it pretty well in my book um, but like the commentary of Rogan he actually decided Paul Felder was going to win before the fight it seemed 
and like nothing would sway him from that. Ross Pearson, Ross Pearson, I mentioned, I don't know, I was on podcast here or on, I did a Periscope chat before um, the fight, and I mentioned Ross Pearson has the ability to like step away and do like fighting the outside, get in with his shots and get back out and not get hit a lot. And he has the ability to keep that game plan going for three rounds and he did it he did it really well against Paul Felder and he won that fight clearly but Rogan was he was on Paul Felder all night he just he was basically the Paul Felder show and, um, he was sipping yeah. the Felder Kool-Aid was he Sean? He was, he was sipping it he had a big gulp of it so yeah he had a, a pint of it diluted exactly exactly okay next question um from Alan, friend of the podcast at AJK underscore Dublin. Um, how does Bama look for putting the card in Dublin before? How good does Bama look for putting the card? Are you Jesus? Take your time, Sean. <laughs> for putting the card in Dublin a month before the UFC and selling out. What do you mean? Bama hasn't sold that. Yeah, but it's it's close enough. It sold a lot of tickets. I'd say. I think it's sold more than we were expecting. A lot of people are expecting. I think the only people that know that are the three arena and the head guys in Bama. Anything yeah. else is spin. To be honest, like I am, like people are asking me about Bama. People are saying that they've heard about it or that they've heard that there's a fight on in the three arena. I do think it's gonna do good, but there's only one show in town. Like you know what I mean? The UFC is the big dog, and that is the priority. But I have heard of people now who couldn't get UFC tickets that went and ended up buying Bama tickets. I've seen a good bit of that on social media on Facebook when they couldn't get the tickets last week for the UFC release they ended up buying Bama ones instead maybe that's going to have a positive effect on them that they're going to get in another fall in overall I think it's the number's going to settle like it'll have to be anything under 3,000 you'd have to imagine for Bama would be bad yeah you probably would I'd, I'd hope they'd be selling more than that like the card is pretty good and soft and like Coming to see Tom Duke and Wah. Everyone will be coming out to see him. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. the only reason so many people are going. Yeah, definitely. Okay, next question from Patrick <laughs> Sheehan. At Pat Sheehan one you, never. Do you just give Pat questions? No, he sends them himself. He do, do you notice there he sent the same question like three weeks in a row because we didn't answer it. Now we eventually answered it last week. And uh, like I was recording a podcast and I came downstairs and he was there and he's like, Did you answer my fucking question this week? <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yeah, I was like, yeah, we did, we answered it. There you go. Oh, he sends himself. But um, who are the next three Irish fighters to join the UFC, and who will be the first to be cut from the UFC Irish fighter? Uh, the next three to join to be signed into the UFC. Carl Moore. Well, Artem Lobov. Oh yeah. Kind of by default. Um, that's what I'm guessing. Anyway. No conspiracy theorists, please. Watch The Ultimate Fighter tonight. I could be proved wrong, who knows. <coughs> but he was away for six weeks. He only got home the other day at the airport, so that's me putting two and two together. I could end up with five, who knows. Um, then Carl Moore, I definitely think, is on the right path. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a, an odd one out there. I think Peter Queeley finds himself in the yeah, UFC a lot I, yeah. earlier than he thinks. Because if he keeps doing what he's doing, heading off to Poland, wherever he was over the weekend, wrecking guys and getting wins together, then that's it. Another one that I think has an outside shot for his record, which is still relatively good. I think Damian Rooney getting a big win at Bama, 
like he's only lost to guys like he's, two of the guys that he's lost to are in the UFC do you know what I mean so yeah. that between Houlihan and Siri and he fought all these guys over the years he's been around for a long time if he gets a good win on Bama from what I'm hearing he's making a, a storm at the UFC and he's going to say 125, 135, 145 or 155 if there's a pull out for UFC Dublin I'll fight for free Andrew yeah Here's a, I have a question for you. Give me a question. From, from Sean, at Sean Sheehan BA. At Sean Sheehan BA. This, this is going to shock you now, this question. How much are you looking forward to James Gallagher versus Decky McLeanan? Oh. I actually just see it. Someone else said that as well. Darren Mackin. I said it. I asked the same question. There you go. The fight that so many people in Ireland have been wanting to see at amateur for quite a while. Decky and James, two of the best featherweights in Ireland at amateur level. Both turning pro. All I'm good, like, I'm friendly with both guys and I train with Decky, so you will not hear me making a prediction between now and the fight. It won't happen, no matter what. All James I'm, all I'm going to say is that neither guy, no matter what happens in this fight, both guys are going to have long, successful pro careers in Ireland and internationally. And I'm 100% sure of that. Without, yeah. like, hand in my heart, I can see both of these guys going far. If it's the first time that they fight a pro, I wouldn't be surprised to see these guys fight further down the line in bigger organisations. The future is very bright for a couple of Irish MMA fighters in particular. James Gallagher and Decky McLean are the two guys in the top of my list. Yeah. And, like... Oh, the fuck. Do you know, uh, it's a good thing as well that they're being, um, that they're being matched up early, like... Look at Conor McGregor and Joseph Duffy. They fought early. Like Joseph Duffy and Armin Park fought early. Like there's no harm matching up these guys early. They can have, they can come back from a loss. Doesn't mean that much early on. Like you know, so it's good to see things like that happening. Okay, uh, Joey Gan. Which fight are you most looking forward to coming up? Non-title fight included. Non-main events included. Um, what? F just any fight, like? Yeah. Or what was it? Our main event. I, no, uh, it can't be main event or can't be title fight. Um, is it bad that I don't really know any like full fight cards aside of UFC Dublin? Uh, yes, is probably the answer to there's that. There's so many, there's so many cards though. It's kind of, it's kind of hard. Um, hold yeah. on, let me. I'm just going on UFC.com here and we look at a few fights. No, it's okay. Up. I, I'm at a, I'm at UFC. Team McGregor versus Team Faber finale. There's no fights there. Uh, oh, there is actually. Talk to me about this before we get on to this. What's UFC Fight Night 80? Did you see that there's going to be an event on in Vegas on the, the oh, yeah. on the Thursday as well? Yeah, that's madness, isn't it? Because they're trying to advertise that Frank Yedger versus Chad Mendes is going to be fighting at the Chelsea at the Cosmopolitan in Vegas. And that's I can't see that happening. I think there's two of them. They said they're both the Thursday and the Friday are both at the Chelsea. They're both at the Chelsea. That yeah, venue so. is the size of the Helix Man. Frank Yeager and Chad Mendes in that venue is going to be packed. It's going to be so good. Yeah. A plus, A plus for that. And um, outside of it, like I can't. That's a question that I actually wish I had known beforehand, so I could kind of look it up a little bit before. Leave it with me. I'm sorry about that one. That's Here's the first mine. question we answer next week. Here's mine. What? Neil Siri against John De Los Reyes. That's mine. You just love Neil Siri. Do he's a great man. He's That's great all man. you want. Let, okay, let yeah. me look. Oh, well. Uh, Shout out as well. Just a few people. Paul Connolly. Nicholas Sheehan. Gavin Spraggett. 
Gavin Sherlock, all good questions, all friends of podcasts. Uh, okay, what? Well, there we go. I'm gonna be a jujitsu uh, man here. Gilbert Burns is fighting Rashid Magadamev. Magomedov. Whatever. <laughs> That'll be a good grappling fight from my own point of view. And Fabio yeah. Maldonado against Tom Lawler is gonna be a serious fight as well. Someone will go to sleep in that fight. Okay, Will Martin, friend of the podcast. One of our best friends of the podcast. He was in interviews with Conor McGregor. Which one is his all-time favourite? My, out of all of my interviews with Conor? Yeah. The first one. The CM Punk t-shirt one. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Throwback. One. Throwback Wednesday. Banana. Is that the one with the banana? That's the one with the banana, yeah. yeah. Give me a banana. Just a little idea of banana now. I'm planning on having maybe something, something light before I go to training. Did you say there was a couple more questions though before we go? Uh, yeah, we'll, one more. Uh, Catherine Costigan, she got a change of opponent. Yes. Today. Um, what do you think about that? I like. I don't know this lady who she's fighting. Luckily enough, Sean, neither do I. But the one thing I will say, Catherine Costigan is probably going to be. She has done a serious amount of work promoting this fight. She was on TV3, she was on FM104 in a rather embarrassing situation about having to defend her profession um, on a shitty phone show sort of scenario. Not Joe Duffy sort of hatchet job, probably just as bad. They were trying to say, this is the first time females have ever fought in Ireland in a cage. And that, like for me, that was enough. Like I wasn't even going to bother giving those guys uh, the time of day listening to them. And the problem with shitty shit star and phone show things is that they can say we just got this texted in we're only voicing the views of our public this is not FM 104 blah 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 blah. probably their mate probably their fucking producer outside that texted in the question so they'd have a way to get away and discuss it Catherine Costigan really wanted that fight that she was matched with as it's a girl that she's wanted to fight for pretty much her whole career at least now she's still on the card she went to incredible efforts uh, when she with the way Bama are selling tickets she is handwriting letters posting them sending thank you cards for people for buying tickets off her that she appreciates the support Catherine Koskin is a very genuine person she has she has something about her that people are going to warm to her as a person and they're going to she can be a pretty big star it's just they're at the minute same way with Ashing Daly when there was never a path for her to the UFC at the moment there isn't a path for Catherine up there but I, with the UFC's expansion, who's to say that they're not going to add a 105 pound division in the future? Like, you never know. Definitely could happen. Yeah, Limerick's Limerick's uh, Limerick's finest. Limerick's Fight second Limerick. second famous second favorite mixed martial arts related figure behind uh, Sean Sheehan. Thought you were going to say Sean Tobin. I was going to say Sean Tobin. <laughs> I I so, I stalled on the Sean just to put you under the sweats a little bit, <laughs> just to see how you'd react. Um big week though next week for Irish MMA um, next weekend so next Saturday is the BAM event if you're not going and you're thinking of going cop yourself on and go this gives you the opportunity to become the next generation mixed martial arts hipster you can say you saw all of these pro fighters fight before it was cool before they got to the UFC and before they made a name for themselves why wouldn't you want that on your string of accomplishments Sean why wouldn't you want to say you saw the next Conor McGregor before he was the next Conor McGregor? Exactly. I was I was there. I saw Tom Duncanois fighting before he was That UFC doesn't champion. even count. Like that. Like he's already an established pro. We're we're going with that. Yeah. 
I, I'm not. I, I'm talking about these guys making their pro debuts. I'm talking about really getting on the bandwagon before it kicks off. Then you have your spot for life. Who is it, Todd? Tell us the one person on Bama this coming up. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be the big star in the UFC? Irish. Uh, John Redmond. John Redmond's a star anyway. Franz Blambos. Darren O'Gorman. Yeah, Darren too. Darren and Franz. Sinead Kavanaugh. It's a shame that Darren and Franz are fighting each other. But I think them two have the best and brightest futures in Irish MMA. Just looking at it from like off the top of my head. Haven't looked at the card properly in full detail. There will be either us talking about it in detail or you and I rambling as normal and Steve jumping on for an extra podcast next week Steve's coming to Ireland we're going to have serious Bama coverage it's going to be the biggest domestic show and before we get off this podcast before we finish guess where I was today Sean Dublin I was DCU in, the Helix I was at the Helix so I guess, sat man. outside the Helix for about 10 minutes just looking at it and I was thinking like this first of all the best venue in Irish MMA forget the 3 arena forget the O2 arena whatever you want to call it the Point Depot the Helix was the best venue for MMA fights in Ireland is that because I showed up there? that's because you showed up there entirely because of that but also because the layout was pretty good the lighting stuff that they always had was nice the way that it was tiered the way that the atmosphere was in it the Helix was definitely the best some of the biggest nights in Irish MMA history took place in that with Cage Warriors in the past who knows if they're ever going to happen again it doesn't seem like Cage Warriors are making any like st- Like I don't think Graham Boylan's done anything since he did that Ariel Helwani interview hopefully something does come from it but that like it's three years to the day Sean that Philip Mulpeter fought Richard Gorey in what many people consider the greatest Irish MMA fight ever behind Roddy and Googerty so nice. like me talking about this is all well and good but by people going to BAM and maybe getting to experience it and see these fights, they're getting in on their own little bit of history for the rest of their lives sort of thing. So that's, that's my final pitch about it. Bama, 19th of, uh, 19th of September. Severe MMA's very own Dave Fogarty is also the official photographer for Bama. Nice. So what am I dropping? Holy shit, that's Our the third sake. phone charger that I've dropped in the space of 10 seconds. Well, no, it was the same phone charger three times. So I'm sorry about that. Sean, before we finish up, have you anything you'd like to say? Any state of the nation addresses we have to get to? What are your plans for today? Nothing. I have no plans. Nothing at all. There's no UFC event coming up for like two weeks. I have nothing to do. I have no writing to do. Why didn't, Just you, stay, relax. Why didn't you go on your holidays now? I should have. Go on another holiday. I'll go on another holiday, yeah. I'll go for another rest. I'll have a sleep for about a week there. Be grand. And is there any uh, any barbecues planned in Limerick today? Uh, Probably somewhere, do. but not, not in your do. house. Yeah, uh, do you remember we had, I had one last week? It went ahead, but it started. It started raining just as all the food, the food was done. We had to go inside. Unreal. So it was just like eating your dinner inside. It was, but it was nice. It was, it was tasty. Well, I am in for a bad weekend at work. Freshers' week. Well, not oh, fre- nice. freshers' week. I think maybe next week or the week after. But the college, like, I was up in the college the other day doing the rounds, as they say in DKIT, having a wee look around. And uh, a lot of people on tours and inductions and stuff like that, and they're saying like maybe tomorrow night, Thursday night's the student busy night in work. That it's definitely gonna... be red panties nights on the McGann household. You're a dirty bastard. You're trying to get me. To... <laughs> I'm a man of mystery, Sean. I can't be revealing all of my all of my details in life on the podcast here. This is uh, this will not do at all. 
My boyfriend will be terribly upset at all of your comments. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, this podcast should have ended about 25 minutes ago in typical severe MMA podcast fashion. We decided to go on for an extra 25 minutes of chat. If you want to get in touch with us throughout the week, leave your questions. Hashtag SeverePod and you can add us SeverMMAPod on Twitter. You can get in touch with us directly as well at Andrew McGatton underscore at Sean Sheehan BA. And if you didn't notice, the Facebook page, it's starting to get a little bit more traction. We're finally putting videos up. Funny videos. Chad Mendez making fun of him. Guess how many people that was seen by Sean? Uh, a quarter 10, of a million people what? watched that video. Jesus. Severe MMA blowing up around the world. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, or Graham, mainly to give off about us, get on to us at Twitter, at Severe MMA. I think that is all the housekeeping wrapped up, Sean. Anything mm. you'd like to say before we go? A goodbye. No, yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Subscribe. I hope Man- uh, uh, shout out to Neil Seary there. Man United are going to smash Liverpool this weekend. Oh, and happy birthday, JJ Murphy. JJ Murphy? Yeah. Happy birthday to Cahill Pendred last week as well. I never got to interview him, unfortunately. He was oh, yeah. leaving just as I arrived at the hotel. So that's all well and good. Hope he had a good birthday. But until then. See you next week. <laughs>